Good morning. As always, it's a great privilege and uh, joy to be able to share with you this morning. I'm going to say something before I say anything else. Do you know someone, I'll not mention them now, I may mention them at the end of the meeting, see how it goes. Somebody prayed for me this morning, put their hands on my shoulder and said, Holy Spirit, blow this man right off course this morning. I... <laughs> I said, no. He said, yes, you've got to say amen to that. I said, amen. So um, I might tell you afterwards. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> before I start this morning, I just want to say this, that uh, some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning um, may initially, when I say them, appear to be con- confrontational or uh, questionable in your own mind. Now, just relax, all right? And just let the Holy Spirit um, sort it out for you because I'm not going to say anything that I will not back up with Scripture. But you may just have to change your thinking a little bit. Then I want to say also that... uh, My biggest desire this morning is that none of us leave here the same as when we came into the meeting. That we go out with our faith provoked, inspired and challenged to run with God into what he has for us. So I'm going to be talking about faith this morning. And uh, I just want to say this. I'm sure there will be people here this morning that have been hurt because uh, you have been told it's because you don't have faith. That's why you can't... Listen, I want to tell you, that's not what I'm saying this morning. In fact, Jesus dealt with that, didn't he? When his disciples said to him, Lord, what, what's the problem with this man? Has his, have his parents sinned? Has he sinned? Has... Jesus said it's nothing to do with that. And he just got on and set the man free. So uh, I don't want anything I say this morning to condemn. And I want to tell you that uh, when I'm talking about faith, there is not to be any condemnation because we might struggle a bit with it. But what I'm trusting to do this morning is to encourage you and help you to begin to practice faith. Now, you don't know what I'm going to say, do you? Well, that's all right. I've clearly got your attention. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. You'll understand in just a moment. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. I'm going to read from Matthew 14, only a few verses. And I'm going to read verse 22 to 29. This is what the New King James says. This took place just after Jesus had fed the 5,000. And he said to the disciples, go go and get in a boat and uh, I'll dismiss the crowd. And then in verse 22 of uh, Matthew 14, it says this. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. 
Isn't it interesting the songs we've sung this morning about being in the storm? And uh, I thought, thank you, Lord. The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, or was very fierce. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a ghost? And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. You always get a big mouth, don't you? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. I'm a bit like that sometimes, you know. I, I speak before I think what the consequences are going to be. Do you, you may not know about that. but Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. I'm going to stop there. You know the rest of that story. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Then I just want to read a verse to you from Matthew 17, and we'll take it from there. Matthew 17 and verse 20. Uh, Jesus had just healed a boy that suffered from epilepsy, and uh, then we come to verse 20. Jesus said, he answered his disciples and said it was because you didn't believe And then he said this, he said, the reason, they said, why couldn't we heal that person, Lord? Why couldn't we? Jesus said, you didn't believe. And then he went on to say this, I say to you that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. Now, That's where I want to start, getting out of the boat. You see, Peter is, as far as I can see, other than Jesus, the only person that ever walked on water in the miraculous because he's the only person that got out of the boat when Jesus said, come. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So... Jesus said, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, if you put a mustard seed in your hand, you can go, and it's gone. That's how small faith is. You will be able to say to this mountain, whatever it is, finance, circumstances, anything, be removed, get out of the way, be cast into the sea, and Jesus says it will be done. Now, the first scream is, I don't have that sort of faith. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody here that knows they are saved and born again? Well, that's good. I won't have to preach the gospel this morning and get you born again. <laughs> saved and born again. Now, I want to take you to that. But just before I do, I was listening to a sermon being preached a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It'll get some backs up. Uh, so I was listening to a sermon, and a brilliant sermon it was. 
<laughs> You're all wondering. I'm not going to tell you. And uh, this guy said, um, I, want to, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to talk about faith. Nothing to do with what I'm, or nothing about what I'm saying. He said, you know, faith is and operates very simply. I thought, yeah, I've heard all this before. Faith operates and is very simple. I thought, I wonder what he's going to say. He said, it's simply this. He said, three things. First of all, he said, we need, as the people of God, we need to get a hold of what God says. Secondly, he said, we need to get a hold of what God has done. Thirdly, we need to confess what God has said and what God has done and act upon it. That's simple, isn't it? So I thought about it and I thought, oh. And uh, the more I, uh, God had already put this message on my heart, the more I began to think about it, the more I began to think, hey, the man has got some understanding about faith that perhaps I haven't. So coming back to being born again, the cry from our hearts may be this, well, I don't have that sort of faith. Well, listen, I, I just want to encourage you. Um, you're born again. There was a day, there was a time when you swapped your condemnation and your sin and the results of your wrongdoing and became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And do you know how that was done? It was done through faith. Because the Bible tells us very clearly in Ephesians 2 verse 18, we have been saved by grace through faith. And he goes on to even explain it. It's not faith that you've mustered up on your own. It's not of your doing, but it is the gift of God. So we have been saved because of God's amazing grace, because of what he did in sending Jesus, his only son, to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And all we have to do is to believe and confess and we're born again. Is that right? Well, four of you believe it. That's what the Bible says. If we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and we acknowledge him as Lord, we're born again. Is that right? I'll ask you, is it right? I don't want to say anything wrong if, if, if you don't agree with it. Well, I might do, actually. But uh, it won't be wrong. <laughs> we'll have to chat, you know. Um, <coughs> confession on what God has done, on what Jesus has done, what he has said, and we were born again. Now, how much, sit, how much faith did it... I mean, some of you were bad people, I'm sure. I was never that bad. <laughs> but we were all sinners, and therefore we all come under the same. How much faith did it take to be released from the consequences and the condemnation and the burden of sin? That we carried. Pretty powerful. 
Well, was it? Would it be pretty powerful to be able to believe and have our sins forgiven, be made a total new creation and be given a whole new life to to lead? Yes, it would. Now, I want to tell you, the same faith that, uh, that goes into operation for anything else is not a new abundance of it or a new version of it. It's exactly the same faith that God gave to us to believe that Jesus Christ had paid for our sins and get, get free from sin. Exactly the same faith. So you see, that's knocked a few arguments out. You've got more faith than me. No, don't. I haven't got any more faith than anybody. Maybe sometimes I use it a little bit more than you do, but I want to tell you, please, I have not totally cracked this. Some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning, I have positively and clearly seen work, and I know it works. There have been times when it hasn't worked. Why? We're not, I'm not preaching on that this morning. Because some of the answers I don't know. I will give you a little illustration later on. Well, I'll give it to you now. Um, <clears throat> my son will forgive me. I have told some of you this before. But, uh, you know, there was a time when we were, we were really, really going for this. And John was uh, still living at home, so it was a long time ago. And um, he woke up so ill. And uh, I said, oh, son. Oh, he said, I feel terrible today. And he worked in the bank. And uh, I said, do you want me to pray for you? He said, oh, yes, please. I feel so bad. And he was bad. And uh, I said, okay, now do you want me to pray for you? And uh, be healed and go to work? Or do you want a day off from work? (laughs) He said, well, I'd like you to pray for me, be healed and still have a day off work. I said, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. No, no, he said, oh, all right then. If I have to go to work. I said, well, if you're going to be healed, you'll need to go to work. So I prayed for him. And uh, he was just the same as before I started praying. Have you ever experienced that? You will. And he was just the same. I said, uh, do you believe you've been healed, son? He said, I don't feel like I've been healed. I said, do you believe you've been healed? He said, yes. I said, then get showered and get to work. I felt terrible. I really felt terrible. But he got, he got showered and he went to work. And Anita looked at me. She said, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I said, no, don't. I feel bad enough as it is. Uh, and he went out the door. But do you know, when he came home in the afternoon, there was no trace of illness upon him at all. Now, Thank God, that was wonderful. But then there came a time when my daughter was, uh, was taken ill. And it was appendix. Right, let's pray. So I didn't even do that on my own. Got mum as well to agree. Oh, you've heard me preach it. We prayed for our daughter. And uh, I said, how does that feel, love? Yeah, just the same, Dad. I said... Uh, well, let's believe God. Then it got worse and worse and worse. Now, <clears throat> then something began to happen up here. Hang on a minute. When appendicitis gets bad, you nurses, and it bursts, you can die from that. 
Didn't do my faith a lot of good. Do you understand? Uh, We prayed again. And it still got worse. That really wasn't good. So we called an ambulance and sent her to hospital. And within two hours, she'd had her appendix out. Now, I tell you that because I have to say it doesn't always work for me. Now, I think I know why it didn't work. Because my thought was not about the pain going, it all being sorted out and getting up. and It was, hey, people die from this and if I don't let my daughter go to hospital. Do you know that doubt began to creep in? That's realistic, you say, yeah. But faith doesn't quite work. And I think that's why I, I bottled it. I, I was not prepared to put my life in God's hands <laughs> and trust him to do it. Maybe if I had, but I sent her to hospital. And, and there's nothing wrong with going to the hospital. But what I want to tell you, there have been times when I've seen the most amazing things happen through some of the things I'm going to share with you. And there have been times when it hasn't quite worked the same. Now, to bear <coughs> some of these principles out, particularly on the getting hold of what God has done, getting hold of what he has said, confessing it and standing on it, Um, I just want to take you to uh, one or two Old Testament references as well. Now, in 2 Chronicles uh, 20, we have the story about good old Jehoshaphat, uh, a story that we all know and that we know well. Now, let me just, because the, the Old Testament doesn't contradict the New Testament, the New Testament confirms what was in the Old Testament, and Jehoshaphat, you know, he had a horrendous situation. He was responsible, like I was for my daughter. He was responsible for the people of God. And there was a horrendous army that had surrounded him and he didn't know what to do. Are you ever in the situation where you don't know what to do? Yeah, I'm there quite often. And... uh, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse uh, 3 to 7, I'll just, I'll just, Jehoshaphat, uh, this is about the, um, the servant came and said to him, Jehoshaphat, there's a great multitude coming against you from beyond the sea, Syria, and they are in here, there and everywhere. Uh, and it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with being concerned. There's nothing wrong with being anxious. Um, It's not good to fear, uh, but sometimes fear gets a hold of us, doesn't it? Fear gets a hold of us. But what we have to do is to stand on the Word of God, stand on some of the songs that we sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You know, we, I don't know, do any of you remember that song? Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is... Oh, well, I thought I went back too far for that, you know. But I've seen hundreds of young people singing that song and dancing to that song. Uh, and what does it say? Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Um, I am not afraid. ha. <laughs> I am not ashamed. Go on. They, they know it, actually. 
I'm walking in faith and victory. What amazing truth. What amazing truth. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. And, you know, Jehoshaphat began to approach that sort of approach. And he said, he said this. Uh, he set his face to seek the Lord. So Judah gathered together and asked help from the Lord and from all the city. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly and in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court. And this is what he said. He said, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are the God of heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of all the nations and in your hand there is power. Now what was, what was Jehoshaphat doing? He wasn't reminding God how great he was. He was reminding Joshua, Jehoshaphat how great his God was. Um, is there not power and might so that no one is able to stand against you? So that's what Jehoshaphat did. He began to remind himself of what God had done. What God had said, hey God, you did it before, you moved here, you gave us the victory there, you, built, you fought for us there. And he was reminding his heart, he had a big task on his hands. So you see, he was reminding himself of what God had said. He was reminding himself of what God had done. And then it goes on in uh, 2 Chronicles 20. Verse 15, and this is where we have to, this is where we have to come to. He'd said to them, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet and spoke to the prophet and gave a word to Jehoshaphat. And he said, listen all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed, says that old song again, do not, be dis, uh, do not be afraid or dismayed because this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Now, we believe in the finished work of the cross. And so what we have to do is to remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross what God has said, what Jesus has done, who we are and what we have in Christ and then we have to stand on that. So we remind ourselves of it, we confess it and then we act as though we believe it. That is what this guy was saying, that is how faith works. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Then of course... <laughs> It had some serious consequences. Glad I wasn't in the worship team at that time because uh, said, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the worship band right in the front of the battle. Now, they didn't have any bows or arrows or swords or anything, but they had something that was more effective. They had the ability to lead the army in absolute Battle in the heavenlies and win in the heavenlies through worship and through praise. And so they put the worship band at the front. And you, for those of you who are not familiar with the story, I won't dwell on it now. But out they went to battle. You know, they never lost one of their, one of their people. 
And when they finished the battle, I looked round and every one of the enemy was dead. They didn't kill them all. They turned, the enemies turned and started fighting one another. You know, if we stand on what God has said and stand on what we have got and stand on who we are in Christ, I want to tell you they're the sort of victories that are available for us. I didn't say they were easy, but they are easy because the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's and he's already won it. He's already done it on the cross. I must move on quickly. So, <clears throat> what else? Let's have another quick look. You know, in um, Jesus himself actually touched on this. I'm just trying to find it. Luke 12. Let's have a look at that. When Jesus, uh, you'll, know this, you'll know this scripture, verse, Luke 12, verse 22. Let me read that to you. <coughs> right, now this is, this is um, there'd been the parable of the rich fool, and then that had happened. Jesus had said, whoever lays up treasure for himself um, and is, not rich to, uh, is rich towards God, who, who lays up treasure in heaven. Then he said this. He said to his disciples, this is what I'm saying to you. Do not worry about your life, saying, in in the original, that's what it says there. Do not worry about your life, saying, what will you eat? Or about your body, what will you put on? Life is more than food and the body is more than raiment. Then he says something so amazing. These are the sort of scriptures, folks, that we've got to stand on. He said, just consider the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storehouses or barns. God feeds them. How much more will he feed you? And who of you, by worrying, can add anything to their stature? That's what Jesus said to his disciples. If you um, worry, if you then are not able to do the no, yeah, to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies; they grow, they either toil or spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not as beautiful as one of these. If then God so clothes the grass and the fields, which today is ablaze and tomorrow is burnt, how much more will he clothe you? Jesus was saying, hey, listen, don't confess what are we going to eat, what are we going to wear, how are we going to manage Let's confess that we've got an amazing, abundant God who is a provider of all things and he clothes the grass, he, he causes the flowers to bloom and blossom. He will look after me because I'm his child and he's promised to supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. It's easy to say, isn't it? But we need to get hold of it, friends. We need to get a hold of it. 
So we don't, uh, we don't start declaring, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I? We start declaring, my father has got a banquet laid which has got everything and anything on it that I could ever dream of wanting. Is that right? My father has got the greatest warehouse of clothing in the world. And whatever I want and whatever I need, he is willing to supply me. We've got to start confessing what God has said, what God has done. And what he has said we are and who we are and what he has said we can do. You know, he, the word of God tells us that, that the power of life and death is in our mouth. That's, a, that's, that's an amazing statement, isn't it? That's an amazing statement. Don't get hum, hung up on, on issues. Listen, there are people that have said, oh, there, there must be major issues in my life. There must be sin in my life. I want to tell you, it, it's very easy to deal with that before we press through into something. Blockages. I mean, some people will teach you you've got to sit down for, a, for about 40 hours of counselling and get to the bottom, take you back into the womb. I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't do it like that, not through me. Uh, he may through some, but he doesn't do it like that through me because I've learned that the Holy Spirit is able to point anything out to us that we want. You know, I think I may have mentioned this in home group or something, but some years ago I was walking by the river and uh, speaking in tongues. You see... <coughs> And all of a sudden, I don't, it's the only open vision I've ever had. I usually see things in my mind. I don't see things open, open visual. And uh, this man's face came before me. Oh, I knew who it was. He wasn't a very nice man and he, he not treated me very fair. It was years previous. I said, Lord, I don't need him this morning just before the time of worship. And what, what's going on? You know, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you, you've never really forgiven that man. I said, but Lord, it's years ago. And, I, and God said to me, he said, you've pushed it to the back of your mind and uh, you've never really forgiven him. There I came to a bench by the river. I sat down and I said, God, I am so sorry. If I've not forgiven, I thought I had. See, I didn't realise that I was... But because I wanted breakthrough, because I was determined to get through whatever happened, God said, well, look, just... So if you think there might be issues, just say, Holy Spirit, we are Holy Spirit people. We are people that communicate with the Holy Spirit. Aren't we, Jules? Absolutely. So all we've got to do is to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I really want breakthrough in this area or in that area in my finances, in if there's anything in my, in my life. You know, and he points little things like that out. He points things like criticism out. He points out things like speaking negative things all the time. You know, they're the little things that the Holy Spirit points out that can hinder us. And the, so if we want breakthrough, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to help us uh, begin to deal with those issues, and then let's press on and start believing God 
and putting our faith into action. Fortnightly, last Wednesday week, I, w- I went to Basildon Hospital to visit Alan. I haven't been there in donkey's years. No one told me it takes a day for you to find somewhere to park. It was absolutely ludicrous. So I, I thought, oh, a couple of hours. Why, an hour? I was still going round every, every place in the car park and there was not. There was not one place on all five floors. I said, God, this is ridiculous. So I went out to find some... I know my way around Basildon. The nearest place I could find a park was three quarters of a mile from the hospital. I said, Lord, there's no way. I said, God, I need a place in that car park. I'd have booked it earlier if I'd have known it was going to be as bad as that. But... I'm going back to the hospital, Lord. I'm going to see my brother and I want a place in the car park. You can say, well, that was coincidence. No, I don't believe it was. So I said, that's what I'm believing you for. So I said, I'll drive back slowly so that they've got time to come out. (laughs) I, I went into the car park. I went through the barrier. And, uh, as I went through the barrier, the reversing lights came on of the first car, a nice big one, so there was a space, you know, for me to open the door as well. And on came the reversing lights, out came the car, and I went in there and I walked just across into the entrance door and up to see Alan. Coincidence? No. I was endeavouring to put my... Uh, usually, if I'm going to somewhere where I know there's a parking problem, I always book my parking place. Always do. I learned that years ago. And I'll tell you what... If you get there, you don't ride around and say there's not a space. You pull up and you say, okay, Lord, where is it? And then you see somebody pull out down there. You pop down and pull in before somebody else does. Uh, Always works for me. A small thing, but I endeavour to put put my faith into action. Now, when it comes to reminding ourselves of what the scriptures say, quickly, Psalm 103, what does that say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Why, there's a dozen promises there. If we stand on the word of God. Is that right? You know what it means to have your youth renewed like like the eagles, don't you? They get a new lease of life when their feathers come out and they get a new lot. I'm up for that, aren't you? No? Well, perhaps you don't feel as worn out as me sometimes, but I'm absolutely up for that. But you see, what does it come about? Bless the Lord, O my... Forget not all his benefits. Remind, what is it doing? David is reminding himself and reminding us of all that God has done for us. He's forgiven all our iniquities. He's paid for all our diseases to be dealt with, and so on. Isaiah 53, you will know that so well. (laughs) He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... Don't say we were healed. We are healed. We are healed. The, I was listening to this guy who was actually telling me about his, te- telling a testimony about his mother. 
And he said, uh, he said, you know, my mother, when I was young, I was a bit wayward, he said, and so was my wife. Uh, he said, and we, uh, or, no, before he got married, so, my, so was my girlfriend, he said, and um, I used to come home two, three o'clock in the morning and I used to hear, hear my mother crying and saying, oh, God, you need to do something with my son. He said, no, I couldn't go to sleep because my mother was crying in her bedroom, calling upon God. He said, oh, every night, every day if I came home, that's what was happening. He said, uh, I never realised this till afterwards, but he said, uh, I got amazingly born again and so did my fiancée. He said, well, I found out afterwards that my mother, because she was uh, an old lady and her understanding of God and prayer was a little bit different to some of it now. And he said, my mother said, do you know? She said, two weeks before you and your girlfriend got born again. She said, I suddenly realised that the Bible says that if I'm walking in relationship with God, all I've got to do is to cast all my care on him because he cares for me. So she said, I was praying and I said, God, hey, I'm doing this wrong. I am not going to pray for my son and his girlfriend anymore. If they go to hell, it's your fault. Now, the phraseology might not quite be the way we would, but she suddenly got hold of the fact that if she's casting all her care upon Jesus, she hasn't got to carry on caring about it. And two weeks later, they both got amazingly born again and have been just celebrating 40 years in ministry and have, have an, a worldwide ministry. There's something in this, people. There's something in this. I want to invite us this morning to get out of our boat. Jesus is saying, come on, I've put this in your hands. Start small. I haven't got to some of the things I wanted to share. Start small. Is it finances? Are there issues with the children? Don't start by going down the mortuary trying to raise people from the dead. That's not where faith begins to get strong. That's where faith has got strong. (laughs) But uh, what about our finances? You know, Malachi talks about tithes and offerings. Now, a lot of people have an understanding that uh, we don't do tithes and offerings today. That was under the law. Well, my interpretation of that, I have always believed in tithing. My interpretation of that is if under the law they gave 10% under grace, we ought to give 20. But... (coughs) In Malachi, God challenges us on that. He says, uh, he says, hey, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now. I dare you, he says. I dare you. Prove me now and see. You read it for yourself. It's not a big chapter. Uh, and you see. If I will not open the windows of heaven and I will pour you out such a blessing, you won't be able to contain it. Is that good stuff? Finances. Sowing and reaping. It's a principle. It's, it's, not, it's not the uh, prosperity gospel. Listen, any gardeners here? Roy, I know you do a bit of gardening. Why do you sow seeds? Oh, you do. Why do you sow? Who, who gardens? Come on. Yeah. Right. Why do you sow seeds? 
to get a harvest. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will also reap. You see? So God says in Malachi, hey, prove me with the money. That's always a difficult issue. So listen, if you haven't got enough to pay the bill, why don't you use what you've got and sow it for the kingdom for a harvest? Told you I'd be provocative. Sow it for a harvest. I'm going to uh, move soon, I hope, and uh, I'm going to have some, a, a greenhouse and garden. Now, blow me. Do you think I'm going to spend all that time preparing the ground, sowing the seeds, and I don't expect to dig my own spuds and cut my, pull my own veg afterwards? Of course not. I'm sowing because I'm going to get a harvest. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will reap. So if you're in difficulty with your finances, I want to challenge you this morning. Take a sum and say, God, I'm going to sow that in the kingdom and I'm expecting a harvest. You come and testify how it's worked. I'll be forgiven. I know that. But listen, start small. Are there issues with your children at school? Well, (laughs) we can't always just storm in and take authority and it's all over in five minutes. Sometimes we have to press through. Why don't you try some of these things? Reminding yourself what God has said. Reminding yourself what God has done and start confessing it and standing upon it. (laughs) Lord, you've promised to supply all my needs. John's Gospel tells us if we abide in him, I've got to finish. And he abides in us, we can ask whatever we will and it'll be ours. That's simple, isn't it? I want to challenge us this morning. Let's start to begin to exercise our faith. Start small. If there's a circumstance, if there's a finance, if there's a real big issue in your life, take the authority of the word of God, speak it out and confess it, stand on it and act as though you believe it. And faith brings the answer because faith is the substance of everything we hope for and desire. May God bless that to you this morning. Amen.